so welcome <laughs> this is Milan Milan we are here for Revelation 19 ah! Revelation 19 y'all this is so amazing because our Lord and Savior comes back in this chapter of Revelation all right but let's just quickly and I really do mean quickly um, go over Revelation so far. Now, we in Revelation 4, it was the throne room of heaven. 5 goes on to talk about the lamb that takes the scroll. 6 um, speaks about the first seal. And 6 gets us through the sixth um, seal that was broken. And then we move on to seven, the sealed of Israel and the great multitude um, from the great tribulation. So Revelation 8 is now the seventh seal, which is also the prelude to the seven trumpets that will come. And it actually gets us all the way through the fourth trumpet in Revelation 8. Revelation 9 picks up with the fifth trumpet where it talks about the locusts from the bottomless pits. It also gives us the sixth trumpet. In Revelation 10, we get a break because now we're talking about the mighty angel in the little book. Okay? So how John eats the little book. Revelation 11 then talks about the two witnesses. Okay? The two witnesses, amazing. Read it if you haven't read it. Listen to the podcast if you haven't listened to it. It's Revelation 11. Revelation 12 then goes into the woman, the child, and the dragon. You guys, that is just something awesome right there. Satan thrown out of heaven. Mind you, this is in Revelation 12. So Revelation 13 talks about two beasts. The first one is the beast from the sea. And then it later we discuss the beast um, from the earth. Revelation 14 is the lamb and the 144,000. And the three angels, the proclamations of the three angels. Please let's not forget about that. That's in Revelation 14. Revelation 15 is now the prelude to the bold judgments. Okay. And Revelation 16 goes over all seven bold judgments. Mind you, with each judgment, it continues to increase, increase, increase in its intensity. Okay. Revelation 17 was the scarlet woman and the scarlet beast. And when we got over to Revelation 18, it was the fall of Babylon. Okay. Besides the fall of Babylon, it was talking about how the world was mourning Babylon's fall. And then it ended Revelation 18 with the finality of Babylon's fall. But today, we're here on Heaven Exalts Over Babylon. Stay tuned. Hey guys, Milan Milan, I'm here. We finna get into Revelation 19. Alright, Revelation 19, here we go. Again, keep in mind, John is the one that's seeing this vision, these, these visions, okay? So this is John is talking when we, you know, 
when we get through it. So Revelation 19, heaven exults over Babylon. He says, after these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his saints, servants shed by her. Again, they said, Alleluia. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen. Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, who those who feared him, both small and great. And I heard as it was a voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet and worshipped him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Drum roll. Christ on a white horse. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness he makes and he judges and makes war his eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns he had a name written that no one knew except himself he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword and with it he met he should strike the nations and he himself will rule with them I'm sorry rule them with a rod of iron he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written king of kings and lord of lords then i saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses on those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. 
And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of burning, a fire burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. What you say? Break it down? Okay, here we go. Gonna break it down, break it down. All right, so we're at verse one, breaking this down. After these things, John hears a great multitude in heaven, praising the Lord for his righteousness, uh, punishment of the great harlot. The song extols him as the Lord our God, to whom belong salvation, glory, and honor, and power. Verse 2, it vindicates him, vindicates him for his destruction of the great harlot. It was consistent with his attributes of truth and righteousness that he should punish the whore for her fornication and for her cold-blooded slaughter of his servants. Which is going to get through 3, 4, 5, and 6. The perpetual smoke ascending from the funeral um, evokes a second Alleluia! or praise the Lord. The 24 elders and the four living creatures concur with a loud amen and a heartfelt alleluia. A voice from the throne calls on God's servants to join in magnifying the Lord for destroying the monstrous Babylon. Now another song breaks out in heaven as loud as many waters noise. Sound loudest thunders to the ear. A great alleluia swells in celebration in the reign of the Lord God omnipotent. Amen. So verses 7, 8, and 9. The tribulation is past. Babylon has been judged. Now the marriage of the Lamb has come. The church, the wife of Christ, has prepared herself for the soul-thrilling occasion. She's arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, which is explained as symbolizing the righteous acts of saints. An angel instructs John to write the benediction for all who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The church is the heavenly bride. Those who are invited guests are the rest of the redeemed. The angel reinforces the importance of the blessing by insisting that it represents the true sayings of God. 10 and 11. So John falls before the angel's feet in act of worship, but it is forbidden. Only God is to be worshipped. Remember that. Only God is to be worshipped. The angel is a fellow servant of John and of all who hold the testimony of Jesus. Then the angel adds, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This means that the true purpose of prophecy is to bear witness. 
equal to the person and the work of Jesus. Prophecy says is designed to unfold the loveliness of Christ. The angel wanted men to worship God, the Son, concerning whom he was bearing witness. Finally, we reach um, the event which the rest of the book has been looking forward. The glorious coming of Christ to earth in order to put down his enemies and set up his kingdom. This is not the rapture of the church. There Christ comes to the air for his saints where he comes to the earth with his saints. So notice the difference, right? He is sitting on a white horse. Here, obviously, it is a war horse since he's coming to conquer his enemies. His name is faithful and true. He is faithful to his promises and true to his own character. In righteousness, he judges and makes war. He can only rule over a kingdom where the people are willing to live under a reign of righteousness. Therefore, he must remove all things that offend. Verses 12, 13, and 14, the explanation. His eyes like a flame of fire suggest the penetrating power of his judgment. Amen. He can detect all rebellion and unbelief. On his head were many diadems. Others may wear crowns of victory, but only the Lord Jesus is spoken as wearing a diadem of royalty. He has a name inscribed, which no one knows except himself. He, There are mysteries connected with the person of Christ that no created being will ever be able to comprehend. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, not the blood he shed on Calvary's cross, but the blood of his enemies, whom he tramples in the winepress of God. He is called by the name, the word of God, a a word that means of expressing thought. In Christ, God has fully expressed himself to men. He is accompanied by the armies of heaven, which are clothed in fine linen. So riding on white horses, these armies are no doubt made up of the saints. Y'all, that's us. But it is noteworthy that they are not required to fight. The Lord Jesus defeats his foes unaided. He does not need our help. Understand that. So breaking down verses 15, 16... 17 and 18. For his mouth issues a sharp sword with which he strikes the nations. He comes to rule with the rod of iron to tread the winepress of the fierceness of his wrath and wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh is written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. So, Jesus is the supreme ruler. All others must submit to his reign. The great supper of God is the destruction of God's remaining foes. Before the kingdom is set up, the vultures are summoned to attend. They will feed on the carcasses of those who are slain by the Lord's people from every class of society both small and great 
So they're going to feed on the carcasses, these vultures, right? These birds. They're going to feed on the carcasses of those who are slain by the Lord. People from every class of society, both small and great. So in a desperate attempt to prevent Christ from taking the reins of government, the beast allies with the armies of the world to make war against the Lord and against his army. But it is futile because the beast and the false prophet, they're captured and hurled alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And at the end, verse 21, the rest of the rebels are killed with the sword of the Lord, their bodies providing ample um, food for the vultures. The sword is an allusion to the word of God. So look in for context or for support, I would say. Look in Ephesians 6, verse 17, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, Hebrews 4, verse 12, Revelation 1, verse 16, Revelation 2, verse 12, and verse 16. You guys, this is bringing us to the end of the Great Tribulation. This is it. This is the end of the Great Tribulation because you know what's next? There's only three chapters left. So that's the end of the Great Tribulation, right? Chapters 20 is going to talk about Satan bound for a thousand years. Who else got, who else got their party hats on? Who else is like ready to like turn up? Do finna be bound up for a thousand years, Okay. A thousand years after all of this. So we finally get to the point where he's bound. Thank you, Lord. And the saints are going to reign with Christ for a thousand years. They satanic rebellion is crushed. And then it's the great white throne judgment. Mm, 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 mm. So... Join me next week when we get into that. It's just so amazing. So, so, so amazing. So that's going to be chapter 20. Go in love. Shed your light. Remember that Christ is with you. He went before you. He is with you. You are not alone as you go through this life. You can always call upon him. You're only one prayer from repenting from your sins, being forgiven, and being accepted by the Most High God. There is no sin greater than what he has done on the cross for you and for me is for our past, our present, and our future sins. He loves you. He wants to provide for you. He is a forgiving God. He is a loving God. And he should always be revered. He is your best friend. He wrote these love letters. 
It cuts deep, I know. Because he's holy. Because we've been sinful. He is truth. He is gracious. We're currently in the uh, period of grace, but it will not last forever. Get to know him. He is your creator. Until next time. Shalom.